Hello! Welcome to the second last act of Macbeth, Act 4 out of 5. Let's begin right away. Just let's begin. Act 4, Scene 1 of Macbeth. A dark cave. In the middle, a cauldron boiling. Thunder. Enter the three witches. Thrice the brinded cat hath mewed. Thrice and once the hedge pig whined. Harpia cries, tis time, tis time. Round about the cauldron go in the poisoned entrails throw. Toad that under cold stone days and nights has thirty-one sweltered venom sleeping gut, boil thou first in the charmed pot. All double, double, toil and trouble, fire burn and cauldron bubble. Fillet of a fenny snake in the cauldron boil and bake, eye of newt and toe of frog, wool of bat and tongue of dog, adder's fork and blind worm sting, lizard's leg and howlet's wing, for a charm of powerful trouble, like a hell broth boil and bubble, all, double, double, toil and trouble. Scale of dragon, truth of wolf, witch's mummy, maw and gulf, of the ravened salt sea shark, root of hemlock digged in the dark, liver of blaspheming Jew, gall of goat and slips of yew, silvered in the moon's eclipse, nose of Turk and Tartar's lips, Finger of birth, strangled babe, ditch delivered by a drab, make the gruel thick and slab. Add thereto a tiger's chaudron for the ingredients of a cauldron. All double, double, toil and trouble, fire burn and cauldron bubble. Cool it with a baboon's blood, then the charm is firm and good. Enter Hecate. Hecate. Oh, well done, I commend your pains, and every one shall share in the gains. And now about the cauldron sing, like elves and fairies in a ring, enchanting all that you put in. Music and a song, black spirits, etc. Exit Hecate. By the pricking of my thumbs, something wicked this way comes. Open locks, whoever knocks. Enter Macbeth. Macbeth. How now, you secret black and midnight hags? What is it do you do? All a deed without name, Macbeth. I conjure you by that which you profess. However you come to know it, answer me. Though you untie the winds and let them fight against the churches, though the yeasty waves confound and swallow navigation up though bladed corn be lodged and trees blown down though castles topple on their warders heads though palaces and pyramids do slope their heads to their foundations though the treasure of nature's germans tumble all together even till destruction sicken answer me to what i ask you speak demand We'll answer. Say if thou'dst he- rather hear it from our mouths or from our masters. Macbeth. 
call him. Let me see him. Pour in sow's blood that hath eaten her nine farrow, grease that sweaten from the murderer's gibbet, throw into the flame all. Come, high or low, thyself and office deftly show. Thunder, first apparition, an armed head. Macbeth, tell me, thou unknown power, he knows thy thought, hear speech, but say thou not. Apparition, Macbeth, 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 beware, Macduff, beware the thane of Fife. Dismiss me. Enough. He descends. Macbeth. Whatever thou art for thy good caution, thanks. Thou hast harped my fear aright. But one word more. He will not be commanded. Here's another more potent than the first. Thunder. Second apparition. A bloody child. Apparition. Macbeth. 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 Macbeth, had I three ears, I'd hear thee, apparition. Be bloody, bold and resolute, laugh to scorn the power of man, and for none of woman born shall harm Macbeth. Descends, Macbeth. Then live, Macduff, what need I fear of thee? But yet I'll make assurance double sure and take a bond of fate. Thou shalt not live, that I may tell pale-hearted fear it lies and sleep in spite of thunder. Thunder. Third apparition. A child crowned with a tree in his hand. What is this that rises like the issue of a king? It wears upon his baby brow the rounded top of sovereignty? All listen, but speak not to it. Apparition. Be lion mettled, proud, and take no care who chafes, who frets, or where conspirers are. Macbeth shall never vanquished be until great Burnham Wood to high Dunsinane Hill shall come against him. Descends. Macbeth. That will never be. Who can impress the forest, bid the tree, and fix his earth bound root? Sweet Bottomance, good! Rebellion's head rise never till the wood of Burnham rise, and our high-placed Macbeth shall live the lease of nature, pay his breath to time and mortal custom. Yet my heart throbs to know one more thing. Tell me, if your art can tell so much, shall Banquo's issue ever reign in this kingdom? All seek to know no more. Macbeth, I will be satisfied. Deny me this, and an eternal curse fall on you. Let me know. Why sinks that cauldron, and what noise is this? Heart boys. Show, show, show all. Show his eyes and grieve his heart. Come like shadows, so depart. A show of eight kings, and Banquo last, the last king with the glass in his hand. Macbeth, thou art too like the spirit of Banquo. Down, thy crown to sear mine eyeballs, and thy hair, thou art the gold-bound brow, is like the first. A third is like the former. Filthy hags, why do you show me this? A fourth, 
start eyes. What will the line stretch out to the crack of doom? Another yet? A seventh? I'll see no more. And yet the eighth appears who bears a glass which shows me many more, and some I see that twofold balls and treble scepters carry. Horrible sight! Now I see it is true, for the blood-baltered Banquo smiles upon me and points at them for this. The show vanishes. What? Is this so? First witch. Aye, sir, all this is so. But why stands Macbeth thus amazedly? Come, sisters, cheer we up his sprites and show the best of our delights. I'll charm the air to give a sound while you perform your antic round that this great king may kindly say our duties did his welcome play. Music. The witches dance and vanish. Macbeth. Where are they? Gone? Let this pernicious hour stand I accursed in the calendar. Come in without there. Enter Lennox. Lennox. What's your grace's will, Macbeth? Saw you the weird sisters, Lennox? No, my lord, Macbeth. Came they not by you, Lennox? No, indeed, my lord, Macbeth. Infected be the air whereon they ride, and damn it all those that trust them. I did hear the galloping of a horse. Who was it came by? Lennox. Tis two or three, my lord, that bring you word, word. Macduff is fled to England, Macbeth. Fled to England, Lennox. I, my good lord, Macbeth, aside. Time, thou anticipatest my dread exploits. The flighty purpose never is o'ertook unless the deed go with it. From this moment the very firstlings of my heart shall be the firstlings of my hand. And even now, to crown my thoughts with axe, be thought and done, the castle of Macduff I will surprise, seize upon Fife, give to the edge of the sword his wife, his babes, and all unfortunate souls that trace him in his line. No boasting like a fool, this deed I'll do before this purpose cool. But no more sights. Where are these gentlemen? Come, bring me where they are. Exeunt. Act 4, Scene 2 of Macbeth. 5. Macduff's Castle. Enter Lady Macduff, her son, and Ross. Lady Macduff. What had he done to make him fly the land? Ross. You must have patience, madam. Lady Macduff. He had none. His flight was madness. When our actions do not, our fears do make us traitors. Ross. You know not whether it was his wisdom or his fear. Lady Macduff. Wisdom. To leave his wife, to leave his babes, his mansion and his titles in a place from whence himself does fly. He loves us not. He wants the natural touch, for the poor wren, the most diminutive of all birds, will, fl- will fight her young ones, in her nest, against the owl. All is the fear, and nothing is the love. As little is the wisdom, where the flight so runs against all reason. Ross. My dearest cause, I pray you, school yourself. But for your husband, he is noble, wise, judicious, and best knows the fits of the season. 
I dare not speak much further. But cruel are the times when we are traitors and do not know ourselves, when we hold rumor from what we he fear, yet know what we fear, yet know not what we fear, but float upon a wild and violent sea each way and none. I take my leave of you. Shall not be long, but I'll be here again. Things at the worst will cease, or else climb upward to what they were before. My pretty cousin, blessing upon you, Lady Macduff. Fathered he is, and yet he's fatherless. Ross, I am so much a fool should I stay longer. It would be disgrace, my disgrace and your discomfort. I take my leave at once. Exit. Lady Macduff. Sarah, your father's dead, and what will you do now? How will you live? Son, as birds do, mother. Lady Macduff, what, with worms and flies? Son, with what I get, I mean, and so do they. Lady Macduff, poor bird, thou'dst never fear the net nor lime, the pitfall nor the gin. Son, why should I, mother? Poor birds, they're not set for. My father is not dead, for all you're saying. Lady Macduff, yes, he is dead. How wilt thou do for a father? Son, nay, how will you do for a husband? Lady Macduff, why, I can buy me twenty at any market soon. Then you'll buy him to sell again. Lady Macduff, thou speak'st with all thy wit, and yet in faith with wit enough for thee. Son, was my father a traitor, mother? Lady Macduff, aye, that he was, son. What is a traitor? Lady Macduff. Why, one that swears and lies. Son. And be all traitors that do so? Lady Macduff. Everyone that does so is a traitor and must be hanged. Son. And must they all be hanged that swear and lie? Lady Macduff. Everyone. Son. Who must hang them? Lady Macduff. Why, the honest men. Son. Then the liars and swearers are fools, for there are liars and swearers enow to beat the honest men and hang up them. Lady Macduff, now God help thee, poor monkey, but how wilt thou do for a father? Son, if he were dead, you'd weep for him. If you would not, it were a good sign that I should quickly have a new father. Lady Macduff, poor prattler, how thou talkst! Enter a messenger. Bless you, fair dame. I am not to you known, though in your state of honour I am perfect. I doubt some danger does approach you nearly. If you will take a homely man's advice, be not found here. Hence, with your little ones, to fright you thus, methinks I am too savage. To do worse to you were fell cruelty, which is to nigh your person. Heaven preserve you. I dare abide no longer. Exit. Lady Macduff. Whither I should have. Whither should I fly? I have done no harm. But I remember now I am in this earthly world where to do harm is often laudable, to do good sometime accounted dangerous folly. Why then, alas, do I put up that unmanly defense to say I have done no harm? And to murderers. What are these faces? First murderer. Where is your husband? Lady Macduff. 
I hope in no place so unsanctified where such as thou mayst find him. First murderer. He's a traitor, son. Thou liest, thou shag-eared villain. First murderer. What, you egg? Stabbing him. Young fry of treachery. Son. He has killed me, mother. Run away, I pray you. Dies. Exit Lady Macduff, crying murder. Act 4, Scene 3 of Macbeth. England, before King Edward's palace. Enter Malcolm and Macduff. Malcolm. Let us seek out some desolate shade, and there weep our sad bosoms empty. Macduff. Let us rather hold fast the mortal sword, and like the good men, bestride our downfall and birth them. Each new morn, new widows howl, new orphans cry, new sorrows strike heaven on the face, that it resounds as if it felt with Scotland and yelled out like syllable of dollar. Malcolm, what I believe I'll wail, what no believe, and what I can redress, as I shall find the time to friend, I will. What you have spoke, it may be so perchance, this tyrant whose sole name blisters our tongues, was once thought honest. You have loved him well. He hath not touched you yet. I am young, but something you may deserve of him through me. And wisdom to offer up a weak, poor, innocent lamb to appease an angry god. Macduff, I am not treacherous. Malcolm, but Macbeth is. A good and virtuous nature may recoil in an imperial charge. But I shall crave your pardon, that which you are, my thoughts cannot transpose. Angels are bright still, though the brightest fell. Though all things foul would wear the brows of grace, yet grace must still look so. Macduff, I have lost my hopes, Malcolm. Perchance even there were, I did find my doubts. Why, in that rawness left you Wife and child, those precious motives, those strong knots of love without leave-taking? I pray you, let not be, let not my jealousies be your dishonours, but mine own safeties. You may be rightly just, whatever I shall think. Macduff, plead, plead, poor country. Great tyranny, lay thou thy basis sure, for goodness dare not check thee. Where thou thy wrongs, the title is a feared. Fare thee well, Lord, I would not be the villain that thou thinkst, for the whole space that's in the tyrant's grasp and the rich east to boot. Malcolm, be not offended. I speak not as in absolute fear of you. I think our country sinks beneath the yoke, it weeps, it bleeds, and each day new day a gash is added to her wounds. I think withal there would be hands uplifted in my right, and here from gracious England have I offered of goodly thousands. But for all this, when I shall tread upon the tyrant's head or wear it on my sword, yet my poor country shall have more vices than it did before, more suffer and more sundry ways than ever, by him that shall succeed. Macduff, what should we be? Malcolm, it is myself, I mean, in whom I know all the particulars of vice so grafted that when they shall be opened, black Macbeth will seem as pure as snow, and the poor state esteem him as a lamb, being compared with my confineless harms. Macduff, 
Not in the legions of horrid hell can come a devil more damned in evils to stop to top Macbeth. Malcolm, I grant him bloody, luxurious, various, avaricious, false, deceitful, sudden, malicious, smacking of every sin that has a name. But there's no bottom, none, in my voluptuousness. Your wives, your daughters, your matrons, your maids could not fill up the cistern of my lust and my desire. All continent impediments would o'erbear that did oppose my will. Better Macbeth than such and one to reign. Macduff. Boundless intemperance in nature is a tyranny if it hath been the untimely emptying of the happy throne and fall of many kings, but fear not yet to take upon you what is yours. You may convey your pleasures in a spacious plenty and yet seem cold. The tune you may so hoodwink. We have willing dames enough. There cannot be that vulture in you to devour so many as will to greatness dedicate themselves, finding it so inclined. Malcolm. With, these, with this there grows in my most ill-composed affection, such a stanchless avarice that, were I king, I should cut off the nobles for their lands, desire his jewels, and this other's house, and my more having would be as a sauce to make me hunger more, that I should forge quarrels unjust against the good and loyal, destroying them for wealth. Macduff. This avarice sticks deep grows with more pernicious root than summer-seeming lust, and it hath been the sword of our slain kings, yet do not fear. Scotland hath foisons to fill up your will of your mere own. All these are portable, with other graces weighed. Malcolm, but I have none. The king becoming graces as justice, verity, temperance, stableness, bounty, perseverance, mercy, lowliness, devotion, patience, courage, fortitude, I have no relish of them, but abound in the division of each several crime, acting in many ways. Nay, had I power, I should pour the sweet milk of concord into hell, uproar the universal peace, confound all unity on earth. Macduff. Oh, Scotland, Scotland, Malcolm, if such a one be fit to govern, speak. I am as I have spoken. Macduff, fit to govern? No, not to live. O nation, miserable with an untitled tyrant, bloody scepter, when shalt thou see thy wholesome days again, since that the truest issue of thy throne by his own interdiction stands accursed, and does blaspheme his breed? Thy royal father was a most sainted king. The queen that bore thee oftener upon her knees than on her feet died every day she lived. Fare thee well. These evils thou repeatest upon thyself hath banished me from Scotland. O oh, my breast, thy hope ends there. Malcolm. Macduff. This noble passion, child of integrity, hath from my soul wiped the black scruples, reconciled my thoughts to thy good truth and honor. Devilish Macbeth by many of these trains had sought to win me into his power, and modest wisdom plucks me from over-credulous haste. 
But God above, deal between thee and me, for even now I put myself to thy direction and unspeak mine own detraction. Here abjure the taints and blames I laid upon myself for strangers to my nature. I am yet unknown to women, never was forsworn, scarcely have coveted what was mine own. At no time broke my faith, would not betray the devil to his fellow, and delight no less in truth than life. My first false speaking was this upon myself. What I am truly is thine and my poor country's to command. Whither, indeed, before thy here approach, old Seward with ten thousand warlike men already at a point was setting forth. Now will together and the chance of goodness be like a warranted quarrel. Why are you silent, Macduff? Such welcome and unwelcome things at once, tis hard to reconcile. Enter a doctor. Malcolm. Well, more anon. Comes the king forth, I pray you. Doctor. Aye, sir, there are a crew of wretched souls that stay his cure. There my lady convinces the great assay of art, but at his touch such sanctity hath heaven given his hand they presently amend malcolm i thank you doctor exit doctor macduff what's the disease he means malcolm tis called the evil a most miraculous work in this good king which often since my hero remain in england i have seen him do how he solicits heaven himself best knows but strangely visited people all swollen and ulcerous pitiful to the eye the mere despair of surgery he cures hanging a golden stamp about their necks put on with holy prayers and tis spoken to the succeeding royalty he leaves the healing benediction with this strange virtue he hath a heavenly gift of prophecy and sundry blessings hang about his throne that speak him full of grace. Enter Ross. Macduff. See, who comes here? Malcolm. My countryman, but yet I know him not. Macduff. My ever gentle cousin. Welcome hither. Malcolm. I know him now. Good God betimes, remove the means that make us strangers. Ross. Sir, amen. Macduff. Stand Scotland where it did? Ross. Alas, poor country, almost afraid to know itself. It cannot be called our mother but our grave, where nothing but who knows nothing is once seen to smile. With sighs and groans and shrieks that rent the air are made, not marked. Where violent sorrow seems a modern ecstasy, the dead man's knell is there, scarce asked for who and good men's lives expire before the flowers in their caps. Dying or ere the sicken. Macduff. Oh, relation. Too nice, yet too true. Malcolm. What's the newest grief? Ross. That of an as age doth hiss the speaker. Each minute teems a new one. Macduff. How does my wife? Ross. Why, well. Macduff. And all my children? Ross. Well, too. Macduff. The tyrant has not battered at their peace? Ross. No, they were well at peace when I did leave them. Macduff, be not a niggard of your speech. How goes it? Ross, when I came hither to transport the tidings which I have heavily borne, 
there ran a rumor of many worthy fellows that were out, which was to my belief witnessed the rather for that I saw the tyrant's power afoot. Now is the time of your help. Your eye in Scotland would create soldiers, make our women fight to doff their dire distresses. Malcolm, be it thy comfort, we are coming thither. Gracious England hath lent us good seaward and ten thousand men, an older and a better soldier none than Christendom gives out. Ross, would I could answer this comfort with the like, but I have words that would be howled out into the desert air where hearing should not latch them. Macduff, what concern they? The general cause, or is it a fee grief due to some single breast? Ross, no mind that's honest, put in it, shares some woe, though the main part pertains to you alone, Macduff. If it be mine, keep it not from me. Quickly, let me have it. Ross, let not your ears despise my tongue forever, which shall possess them with the heaviest sound that ever yet they heard. Macduff. <laughs> yes, at it. Ross, your castle is surprised, your wife and babe savagely slaughtered to relate the manner, were on the quarry of these murdered deer to add the death of you, Malcolm. Merciful heaven, what man! Ne'er pull your hat upon your brows, give sorrow words. The grief that does not speak whispers the o'erfraught heart and bids it break. Macduff, my children too? Ross, wife, children, servants, all that could be found. Macduff, and I must be from thence. My wife killed too? Ross, I have said, Malcolm, be comforted. Let's make us medicines of our great revenge to cure this deadly grief, Macduff. He has no children. All my pretty ones? Did you say all? Oh, hell kite, all! What, all my pretty chickens and their dam at one fell swoop? Malcolm, dispute it like a man, Macduff. I shall do so, but I must also feel it as a man. I cannot but remember such things were that were most precious to me. Did heaven look on and would not take their part? Sinful Macduff, they were all struck for thee. Not that I am, not for their own demerits, but for mine fell slaughter on their souls. Heaven rest them now. Malcolm, be this the whetstone of your sword. Let grief convert to anger. Blunt not the heart, enrage it. Macduff. Oh, I could play the women with mine eyes and braggart with my tongue, but gentle heavens cut short all intermission. Front to front bring thou this fiend of Scotland and myself. Within my sword's length set him if he scape. Heaven forgive him too. Malcolm, this tune goes manly. Come, go we to the king. Our power is ready. Our lack is nothing but our leave. Macbeth is ripe for shaking, and the powers above put on their instruments. Receive what cheer you may. The night is long that never finds the day. Exeunt. Hello, it is I, the fairy, that appears after you have completed Act 4 of Macbeth. 
welcome 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 i spent way too long on that intro for the outro but here it is anyways act four of macbeth what has happened act four comprises of only three scenes which is the least of any act uh in macbeth and um but it is very long it's three super long scenes at least scene one and scene three are super long my voice screams for help my gashes cry for help sorry <laughs> macbeth joke <clears throat> yes so what happens in this uh fourth act you ask macbeth encounters the three witches again he this time he goes looking for them and he says to the witches tell me about the future give me the future whatever and <coughs> and the witches give him three predictions in the form of apparitions of the future they are number one beware of macduff thane of fife okay He's like, oh no, I guess. And number two, no person born of a woman shall be able to harm Macbeth. Now, when you first hear that, of course, when he first hear that, he's like, haha, well, nobody can hurt me because everyone's born from a woman. It's like common sense. And he's really happy and everything. And the third... Uh, apparition says Macbeth will not be vanquished unless the great Burnham Wood starts moving to come attack him and he's like not even God can uproot and uproot the trees and make them move my my throne is set in stone that rhymes Nothing can ever destroy me. I'm fine. But wait. Macbeth asked for one more thing. And that is... A little bit greedy if you ask me. But he's like... Will Macbeth... Uh, sorry, will Banquo's issues... Issue means son. Son. Uh, will Banquo's son ever be king? And I guess he was just a little bit anxious. But even though they said no woman born will be vanquished uh, will vanquish Macbeth this apparition shows a line of Banquo's sons more than eight I think definitely there was eight and they just keep coming and coming and Macbeth just keep keeps saying like oh no please not a fourth one and yet I see a fifth one and then a sixth and then a seventh and then blah 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 an eighth and at the end of it all, he feels so, so destroyed, like defeated, and he's in shock. And the witches are like, <laughs> yeah, and they disappear, of course. And then Lennox at the end appears, and Macbeth's like, did you see, did, did you see the three weird sisters? Lennox, I think what he might be thinking inside is, oh my god, what what is this guy? Is he okay? I, I think. Um, Lennox is like, no. 
and he informs Macbeth that Macduff has fled to England. So since Macbeth cannot kill Macduff, he has chosen to murder Macduff's family instead. And that consists not even his family, his servants and everything in Macduff's castle, including his wife and his son. Now, that's the end of uh, scene one. Now, scene two is also (laughs) quite tragic. We are introduced to two new characters in person. Lady Macduff, which is, of course, Macduff's wife and their son. Lady Macduff is so heartbroken and shocked to see that Macduff has left her and her son alone and fled. Rightfully so. And she calls him a traitor repeatedly. And there's a very nice conversation. Oh, also Ross is there. And Ross is like just kind of trying to calm her down by saying that maybe maybe it was not his fear, maybe it was his wisdom. Lady Macduff does not believe that. Um, Wisdom to leave his wife, to leave his babes, blah, blah, blah. And there's a really nice line. She says, The most diminutive of birds will fight her young ones in her nest against the owl. Very true. That's so sweet. A mother will defend defend her sons and daughters, even if it costs her life. Ross suspiciously now the after the little talk he's like okay I will go now um I take my leave at once yeah and then and then they uh, have a little cute conversation between Lady Macduff and her son what will you do she says to the son what will you do when your father is after now that your father's gone and then he says to her, what will you do since your husband's gone? I really like the way that Shakespeare has portrayed this little dude. He's very clever and cute. And as I read uh, on the internet uh, a little bit more research, this is usually how he portrays young, um, young kids in his plays. Weirdly clever. And yeah, they have a conversation on traitors and bad people. And the son is like, if the liars and swearers are fools, for there are liars and swearers enow to beat the honest men and hang him up. <laughs> and then she calls him a poor monkey. And he makes a really good point, the son. If he were dead, you'd weep for him. If you would not, it were a good sign that I should quickly have a new father. Oof very very true and then a messenger appears and warns them ross's warnings were vague but this messengers are much more urgent and the pace of the scene changes very abruptly and as soon as he leaves uh, after warning them that you your lives are in danger you know leave as soon as possible and they're just contemplating on like where to go the murderers appear and in a very very sad scene mini scene they kill the son right in front of his mother's eyes and 
I'm so proud to say I finally understand the context of the meme of Shakespeare. There was this meme of uh, la- dialogue of Shakespeare circling around the internet. Uh, and it's literally, what, comma, you egg, question mark, stabbing him. <laughs> and out of context, that's hilarious. And I feel like, I feel so proud knowing just stumbling upon that that's i'm proud (laughs) and now i understand what he means by that line um this is actually when the murderers ambushed them and the son is like thou liest a shag-eared villain like a insult and the murderer says to him what you egg and stabs him what he meant by that it's just to show like make fun of him because of his youthfulness and small stature as said by the book young fry of treachery fry means baby fish in this context and the son's last words he has killed me mother run away i pray you dies exit it was so yeah exit lady Macduff crying murder it was so hard to not laugh during this time because the stage directions are so direct and funny that they're funny you know dies stabbing him (laughs) Uh, now the last scene also so long it's a conversation between a very interesting conversation between Malcolm and Macduff mainly and looking at it first i didn't understand what was going on it was a little hard to understand but i'll explain it to you basically what's happening is malcolm who's the son of the late king duncan uh meets with macduff and macduff is like we have to work together to kill uh, to take over uh, macbeth and malcolm but malcolm does not trust Macduff, so he devises kind of like a a test to see if he's working, if Macduff's working with Macbeth or not because that has happened before and Malcolm just pretends to be very self-deprecating like, oh, if I were king I would um, I would be even worse than Macbeth and th- this goes on for like a long, long a lot of pages and he keeps saying Malcolm keeps saying that repeatedly like oh I would be a horrible king I am greedy I am um, aver- full of avarice um, da, 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 da. he's full of lust and everything and Macduff is just feeling so bad and so yeah 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 yeah. Uh, there's this line i was looking for this line uh these are the words that malcolm used to describe himself luxurious avarious avaricious false deceitful sudden malicious smacking of every sin that has a name there's no bottom none in my voluptuousness 
Your imagines your maids cannot fill up the cistern of my lust and my desire that did oppose my will. Uh, better Macbeth than such an one to reign. And Macduff is like, damn, dude. You're, you are a horrible person. You should not... You're not fit to be king. You, you're not even fit to live. A little harsh, wow. And after Malcolm has put Macduff in a very sad kind of state, at last he's like, Ha! Just kidding, Macduff. I am not a horrible person. I am actually a good person. I was just trying to test you to see if you're loyal to Macbeth. And Macduff is like, such welcome and unwelcome things at once. Tis hard to reconcile. <laughs> He's just a little bit shaken, I guess. Then at the end of when everything is sorted out, a doctor enters. Um. Hmm. One second. Okay, I'm gonna be honest. I'm not sure what the doctor does. Such the present human. Ba 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 ba. But this strange. Okay, I'm just going to pretend that I did not read that. I'm so sorry. But after the conversation of the doctor and about a disease or something, Ross enters. And, oh no, he has good news and bad news. Good news? Is, was there good news? Hmm. I don't think so. I think the good news was, like, they have... Um, they have soldiers and stuff to back them up and to defeat Macbeth it is possible kind of thing the bad news however and the audience all know it Macduff doesn't his wife his son his servants have all been murdered I don't know why Ross does not mention this at first he mentions it at last and the the truth is like slowly unraveling. Ross. Um, Ross says, "Yeah, there is something, not so good." And Macduff is like, "Does it concern everyone, or does it concern me specifically?" Due to some single breast. <laughs> Damn. Okay, the language, and Ross is like, "Uh, well." Though the the main part pertains to you alone. And Macduff is like, God, if it's mine, then just say it. And Macduff seems quiet because he thinks... Because I, I guess we can see through his face that he knows what's about to happen next. And when Ross tells him about the news, he asks very heartbreakingly, I guess, my wife. My son too repeatedly Malcolm is just in the background like to dispute it like a man act manly oh I love this line okay Malcolm says 
dispute it like a man means take this news like a man you know turn your um grief into anger and macduff says i shall do so but i must also feel it as a man wow that is very very true even modern there's a lot of talk of toxic masculinity which i don't know if it's a thing or not but i'm not going to comment on that but just remember to feel your feelings is also very manly <laughs> okay and indeed malcolm yeah convert to anger blunt not the heart enrage it and macduff starts to become angry and he knows what he has to do come go we to the king our power is ready our lack is nothing but our leave macbeth is ripe for shaking receive what cheer you may the night is long that never finds the day oh my god he is going to bring hell upon macbeth well that is it this is the second last time i will be seeing you i don't know why it said it in that way but have a good day while i rest my voice and i'll be back for act 5 the last act i'm so excited okay bye ding